Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at bite.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. It's been a big week for President Biden at the Asian Pacific Economic Committee Summit in San Francisco. Among the things we've learned that uh, the U.S. will be resuming military to military ties with China, which will hopefully make us all safer. We may be accelerating our clean energy transition. In many ways, the big story is that China showed up for the talks at all, and it's a positive step forward. But one area that's getting a lot of notice is an agreement to crack down on production and spread of the drugs that make fentanyl, which could be a key step towards subduing the opioid epidemic. Congressman Raja Krista Murthy is the uh, representative for Illinois' 8th Congressional District. He serves as the ranking member on the House Select Committee on Strategic Competition between the U.S. and the Chinese Communist Party, and he's generally a rock star in the Democratic Caucus. Congressman, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad you're taking a break from all of the uh, physical violence and wrestling matches in Congress. Are you okay? I've been very worried about these (laughs) insecure, toxic male Republicans this week. You know, I'm okay, but, you know, we're going to have to either start wearing uh, helmets or uh, carrying around penalty flags uh, because it's (laughs) starting to get out of hand. Also, sir, uh, before we get into the APEC, thank you for uh, the government still working. It's um, really great, and we're very grateful to you and all the adults in the room. Yes, we have very high standards at this point, so thanks for noticing. Absolutely. I'm glad uh, your caucus does. Um, So let me begin. What were your thoughts broadly, sir, on President Biden's meetings with Chinese President Xi in San Francisco? I think it was a good start. I think it was a productive conversation. I think that the agreements with regard to establishing military to military communications channels, as well as cooperating to reduce fentanyl shipments, uh, especially from China to Mexico, a fentanyl precursor shipments uh, is good. Um, I also liked that, uh, you know, Xi Jinping engaged in a little bit of pandering, uh, pardon mm-hmm. the pun. Uh, he's going to be sending a few pandas to the United States, so that's very good. Um, but I would have liked to have heard a little more about the issue of the crackdown on human rights that continues in China, especially with regard to the Uyghurs, Tibetans, Hong Kongers, dissidents of all kinds. Um, And I also wanted to hear more about what steps the CCP was going to take to lower economic aggression. I'm talking about the incessant cyber hacking, the the theft of intellectual property, um, the dumping of goods and so forth. I'm, I'm hopeful that this conversation is going to lead to another conversation where we can have 
concrete action steps on those issues. Well, let me break that down and ask you about them uh, point by point, sir, because last year, as you know, more than 109,000 Americans died of overdoses. 73,000 of those deaths were linked to fentanyl. And we know our friends in the Republican Party are whipping this up into a huge moral panic, and they're trying to blame this on the president and have lies about an open border, even though most people who smuggle drugs into the U.S. are Americans. I understand that these precursors to fentanyl are legal to produce and export in China. We don't really yet know, in spite of this agreement, how Beijing would crack down on the local pharma market. I know they sent out a memo saying we don't want you to do this anymore. But is is there a concern that the industry is just too fragmented for Chinese authorities to be able to control these chemicals? I think that our authorities believe that the CCP and local regulators have an understanding of, you know, who's legit, who's not. And then most importantly, what are the kind of end uses or where the precursor chemicals will end up? Now, you're exactly right that there are legal uses or legal purposes for fentanyl. Um, But uh, there's also folks who understand that the precursor chemicals are going to end up with the Sinaloa cartel. And the cartel is going to press that into pills that then flood our market. And one thing that you mentioned is very important. This isn't coming across because of migrants. It's coming across through our ports of entry, usually smuggled through vehicles and other means. And so those two issues really are separate for the most part. Uh, India has been designated by the DEA as a growing source of fentanyl precursors. Would you like to see agreements like this with other of our allies and trading partners? Absolutely. I think we need to, you know, enter into counter narcotics agreements with a number of our friends and partners and others throughout the region. I don't see how it serves any of those governments uh, to look the other way on this particular issue, because, as you know, it boomerangs. Um, And I think that we should, um, you know, insist that this be kind of essential in, you know, in our relationships with other countries at this point. As you know, Congressman, the problem with these kind of interventions is that they they still don't address the the demand that's out there for these drugs, especially after an industry has spent a decade getting people hooked on them. Is is there a danger that other dangerous lab synthetics could come in to to fill the void? Are we is there a danger we're going after the symptoms and not after root problems? I think we have to go after both. And you're absolutely correct that with regard to the demand issue, I don't think that we're doing enough in terms of different strategies to kind of deal with people who have addiction because you can't just arrest your way out of this problem. You know, I've had roundtables and um, various meetings in my own constituency in my district and the suburbs of Chicago with families and experts on this very topic. And what they tell me is, uh, you know, mental health and substance abuse are twin sides of the same coin. And if you don't address one, you're not going to address the other. And on top of that, we have to recognize that there's an element of harm reduction in addition to um, everything else. One of the proudest things that I've done in Congress is I've actually secured funding for local law enforcement um, who set up innovative strategies for um, basically treating addiction among people they've arrested and mm. then trying to uh, find workforce development opportunities uh, so that they can end up in a job. Um, yeah. And, you know, one researcher uh, I was informed said that, you know, one of the best ways that we can reduce addiction is to reduce hopelessness. And one of the best ways to reduce yeah. hopelessness is to give people purpose and a mission and a job. And yeah. so let's, let's treat all of this at the same time. Finally, I think all of you know the dimensions of the problem. We lost 77,000 people in one year, John, to synthetic opioid overdoses, mostly fentanyl. 77,000. That is a, a horrifying number. It's incredible. And I think you're exactly right. I think the upcoming generation is a generation that already recognizes that there is no law enforcement solution to this health problem of addiction. Um, so I'm, I'm very optimistic and hopeful no. a, a, 
according to the New York Times, the U.S. is going to lift sanctions on China's Forensic Police Institute. Uh, that's part of the deal with the support in fentanyl. Now, that is a government entity that's been accused of human rights abuses, including connecting of DNA of Uyghurs without consent. Are these kind of trade-offs worth it, sir? Are these the kind of trade-offs that we just have to expect when we're trying to have better, more normal relations with an adversary? It's a great question. Um, I think that ultimately, you know, the CCP is responsible for the Uyghur genocide. And at yeah. the same time, it's responsible for policing drug interdiction and, and narco trafficking. If we don't deal with the CCP because they are doing some really horrible things, on the one hand, we can't also address these other, you know, pressing matters on the other. And yeah. so there are some trade offs. Um, although I'm not going to stop pressing on the Uyghur genocide or uh, what's happening with them. Uh, we have other means and tools at our disposal that I we can talk about it more, but we haven't used those to the utmost in, yes, sir. in, in dealing with that issue. Yeah, and I thank you for keeping a light on that issue all the time, because God knows our corporate media sure doesn't do it. Uh, I also want to um, echo your praise for the return of military to military communication between China and the U.S. Congressman. What do people need to know about military to military communications between America and China? And, and why is that something that's so important for world stability? What I'm very concerned about is some kind of catastrophic incident in the Taiwan Strait or the South China Sea, where there's an incredible concentration of uh, Chinese naval and air assets and you know our and Canadian and other allies and friends and partners assets as well. And until now, at least for the last one to two years, there has not been any communications at the highest level in the military to you know deconflict, to avoid accidents or if there's an accident to explain what's going on or to explain intentions. And and so this is a way of uh, opening the dialogue, literally having a phone, a bat phone, if you will, a red line that says, yeah. look, you know, we're planning to go through the Taiwan Strait today with this ship. You know, it's a routine voyage. It's not anything more than that. And we want it, we want you to know ahead of time. You know, that, mm -hmm. that kind of thing that helps a lot. And, 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 and I think that the more that they have that dialogue, then we can also talk about other things. Um, what, you know, I want them to also talk about, for instance, what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening yep. with Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah, but you yep. can't have those communications unless you have uh, a dialogue and communications channel. Absolutely. Uh, and Congressman, I, I think it, it seems like the real great victory of this summit is that at least we now have the impression that Beijing is open to playing ball with the U.S., that it seems like relations right. seem warm. And that is the real most tangible victory we can take away from this. I think it was a good day for the world when the two leaders meet and, you know, there's no Chinese spy balloon that's traversing the United States the next day. Exactly. I think that it's, it's a good it's a good thing that um, we're kind of in that in that situation. You know, on the other hand, there's still a lot of work to do. I think we we have to see actions match the words. Xi Jinping is famous at this point for saying one thing and then yeah. saying something different internally. And The New York Times just highlighted this in a long form story last week. So we have to monitor that. But as uh, Joe Biden said, trust but verify. At this point, we have to see. Uh, what his actions are. And I think uh, I'd love to get your comments, Congressman, on Joe Biden's comment when asked if uh, if she was a dictator. Um, I, I think if he had said, no, he's not a dictator, he would have been accused of being dishonest. How did you feel about the president's candor in that moment? Well, he was speaking truth. Um, he was repeating what he's already said. Uh, this is not new. Um, on the other hand, you know, I think that uh, probably there are some people out there who would prefer uh, that he not used that exact language. But on the other hand, he's just saying what he said before. And, you know, the Chinese know what he said before. And we've still had progress in, in terms of having these talks. I think at the end of the day, you know, these types of words, these types of issues are important, but not as important as the substance of kind of our relationship. And, you know, how do we actually lower economic and military aggression by the CCP? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Congressman, again, I want to thank you for all your work to avoid a government shutdown and, and keep our society functioning. I'm really fascinated by what it's like for you and your Republican colleagues across the aisle. I'm sure that every day you must deal with conservative brothers and sisters who are deeply embarrassed by all of this. And, and are, are there must be a deep sense of frustration that it is continually a right wing element in their party that is slowing down any progress. Is is that without naming names? Is that sort of a vibe you get from your colleagues? Uh, yes, um, I do. And I I don't know what it's going to take for them to speak up because they don't. And, um, you know, the longer that they don't, the longer they're going to see, uh, you know, for instance, Donald Trump the other day, uh, you know, used what I thought was kind of Nazi uh, vernacular to yeah. describe his opponents. Um, I think he said something, something to the effect of the left uh, are vermin. Uh, and need to be eliminated or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. I apologize. No, that's what he said. Yes, sir. Exactly. But that's what I kind of heard. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of stuff is dangerous, man. I mean, you, you, you go down that road. It's very, it's a very dark road. And, um, I think he is playing right into the, the, the rhetoric that, um, white supremacists use. And by the way, that is what stokes the violence. It's the political violence. We're seeing the rise of political violence, um, yeah. not just January 6th being the kind of the, 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 the best example of it, but we're seeing it every day um, in different forms. And so we've just got to, we got we got to turn a different direction. I'm hoping my colleagues can speak up uh, on this issue. Um, I want to thank you, Congressman, for impeaching Donald Trump twice on behalf of a grateful nation. And I just want to <laughs> we, we can all see the same poll numbers. It certainly looks like he will be the Republican Party nominee. Uh, he has seven trials between now and next August. But it seems like even with a felony conviction, he will walk away with that nomination. If that is the case, sir, how would you like to see the Democratic caucus move forward in opposing Trumpism? First of all, I. I, maybe this is a contrarian viewpoint, but I'm not sure what's going to happen if he starts getting convicted uh, yeah. of these crimes. And, and uh, you know, I think that the jury's out, so to speak, literally and figuratively on how that will go down in the Republican primaries. All that being said, from our standpoint, there is a very, very strong anti-MAGA majority in this country. Amen. And they are disparate elements. Uh, they are Republicans, they're Democrats, they're independents, uh, young and old people. And we have to come together and we have to kind of band together, uh, even if it means there are certain places where we, we're going to disagree. But we still believe 100 percent in defending democracy and our country. Amen. Thank you so much, Congressman, and thank you for calling out Vivek Ramaswamy last week for his disgusting use of the word Nazi to describe the Jewish president of Ukraine. I understand a lot of these Crazy. Republicans are taking their marching orders from Vladimir Putin, but it just it just defies logic beyond defying morality itself. And I want to thank you for calling him out as you did. Well, he's he's much more intelligent than you would believe if you heard some of these comments. And what yeah. bothers me is he he knows better. Or he should that, know better. That's the scary part. He's he is smart enough to know better, and it shows the the contempt he has for the people whose votes he's trying to get. So thank you for keeping it real yeah. and 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 keeping the bar high. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy represents Illinois' eighth congressional district. It is a great pleasure, sir. You're uh, one of the Democrats I truly admire, and you are always welcome on this platform. Thank you for your service. Thank you, sir. Take care. Have a great one. We'll be right back. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. I'm John Fugel saying this is Progress After Dark. Let's get to some of your calls. Marie in Atlanta, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on Progress. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Hi. Uh, one, <laughs> wanted to kind of clear up some things that are floating around out there in the yeah. television universe <laughs> okay. about uh, the, the goings-on in Georgia. So, Please. first of all, um, yesterday I about threw my shoe through the television set, and tonight I almost did it again. You, you all might want to pick up shares in television manufacturers because I think I'm <laughs> going to go through a bunch of them. Um, so, Funny Willis had previously filed... A motion, a, prote- a motion for a protective order on the evidence that was going to be provided to the Trump team, uh, well, the Trump co-defendants as well as Trump's defense team, um, as part of the discovery. This is stuff that's required. She was just a, she filed the motion, asked for the court to to protect yes. it so that yes. it wouldn't be disseminated. Yes. Long story short, court didn't rule on it, and then the two videos came out. Um, yeah. As you've already discussed earlier tonight, it was by one of the co-defendants, um, the guy who represents. Christy, I can't remember her last name, I think Hawkins, um, Mm -hmm. who was with the Coffee County Election Office. Yeah. So, long story short, she files a protective, she files an emergency motion for a protective order. The judge ruled from the bench um, that sensitive information was going to be protected. But bear in mind, he hasn't actually put it in writing yet. So, at this moment, we don't know what that protective order is going to look like like what what is he going to call sensitive information and what are the conditions around that going to be so it's kind of a win but it's not clearly a win until it's actually in writing devil's all i mean the the order that she wanted to get would prohibit all parties in the case from revealing any of the discovery materials and she said in, in in the motion when she filed her request for the emergency protective order you speak of that um, there were sinister intentions behind the footage being leaked. Is that language unusual, Marie? Um, it is unusual unless you, I mean, unless you can prove the intention. It's, it, it, you can say that it can have a, a detrimental effect, that it can be uh, interpreted by others as an invitation to commit violence or to engage in witness intimidation. I do think that having... Uh, saying that there's sinister intent unless you've got something to back that up and i'm not sure right. what was presented at the hearing today uh, maybe she did present that um not sure that that i would have put that unless i could absolutely prove it um so she must have well something. i mean like the um, jenna ellis clip was her saying how one of trump's attorneys told her that trump was not going to leave the white house after losing to biden i mean would a sinister intent be to try to fight for a mistrial because your own side had leaked one of these things well, I don't know that I would define. I don't think sinister intent has a legal definition. So no, me words, neither. That's why could you characterize that. <laughs> yeah, could you characterize exactly. that as having a sinister intent? Of course you could. And in all candor, the way I saw the leak was not only as potentially being an invitation to intimidate witnesses, but also as a backdoor means to do what they couldn't do through a speedy trial. So remember, mm. by now we would have been in the midst of Cheeseboros and the Krakens speedy trial by now, right? That was supposed to start on October 23rd. Um, yeah. Because it pled out, the benefits of having them go first did not redound to the Trump team. So 
if the if it had gone through, they would have had their lawyers sitting in the courtroom listening to the evidence, looking at how the jury reacted to certain pieces of evidence and figuring out, okay, that that seems to have played well with them, that seems not to have played well with them, finding out what the verdict was, listening to the whole thing, and then planning their defense because they would have had a chance to preview the evidence. In many respects, you can also look at this as an opportunity to preview this information and see how it plays in the public. Yeah, you're right. In Fulton County, in the potential jury pool, is saying, oh, yeah, this is horrible, and who's saying, eh, no big deal. Right. So uh, you understand? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I don't know that I would call it. She says intent, that this but... trial. She says this trial might be going on into 2025. Like this trial could start in a few months and then just go straight through the presidential campaign, all the way into the inauguration of whoever the next president is. I guess we have a long <laughs> miniseries to look forward to. Well, and see, that's that's why I almost put my shoe through the television with Neil Capial yesterday. Because um, it, what she said was that she she felt like it would not be concluded before the mm. end of next year or the beginning of 2025. She didn't say it wouldn't start until then. And a lot of people interpreted that as her building in or agreeing to some form of, of delay. I think right. what she was doing, given the fact that the statement, if you read the transcript of the interview, right before she talked about 2025, she was talking about how, yes, she expects that there will probably be uh, appeals and, and motions. So I think as an experienced prosecutor, especially experienced in RICO litigation, I think she was looking at, okay, I've got someone who's particularly keen on delay. So I can see they're probably going to file a motion to... I see. Uh, a motion in limine to limit certain information. They're going to file a motion to dismiss. They're going to file... And, and for each one of those rulings, they're probably going to want to appeal. So that's going to take a certain amount of time. Oh, my God. I think just so, thinking in terms of like the mechanics of how this works, not yeah. her preference. It's going to go on for a long time. Marie, thank you so, so much. I always feel smarter when you call the show. So thank you. You deserve a grant. (laughs) Thank you. It's not easy to make me feel smart. 866-997-4748. Let me go to Carol in Oklahoma. Hi, Carol. Thank you for waiting on hold. You're on progress. She is the... We just lost her. We just lost Carol. I'm so sorry. Let me go to Harry in Texas. Harry, thank you very much for waiting. Harry's there. Harry's there. We lost Oklahoma, but we got Texas. Hey, we got Texas here. Hello. How are you, sir? Very good, sir. How are you? I just wanted. To, I was listening to your monologue about Hagee. Uh It's Hagee, not Haggy, by the way. Yes, I, I, I always mispronounce it. I know. Is this this asshole's church is here in San Antonio? It's called Cornerstone. I actually attended a few times because my then girlfriend was a member. He uh-huh. ran his mouth on that Jews are God's chosen people, but only to yep. make way for the Christians in their rapture That's back it. then, and that was over twenty five years ago. He's still That's doing. That's it. it. Yeah. I saw an old guy in the grocery store yesterday. He was wearing Trump hat and I stand with Israel T-shirt. Yep. I mean, irony, thy name is MAGA. Okay. I and can I tell you how much, how much I love, I love the party of Kanye West, the party of Nick Fuentes, the party of Donald Trump saying that Jews need to get their act together. I really love that party lecturing the rest of us about anti-Semitism. Of course. I just wondered if that guy went to Cornerstone. Uh, I have a thought on the Joe Biden versus Trump on the mental acuity thing. Please. I'm certain if Joe Biden went in for his physical and the doctors told him he was beginning to show a sign of mental breakdown, Biden would immediately go back to the White House, call Kamala Harris, tell her he's resigning the presidency in favor of her because he knows he mentally can't handle the job. And then he needs to step down. Wait, Trump, so after, he gets, hand, after he gets reelected? No, you know, whether it's between now and the election or, or after the election. Okay. I think, I think Biden would, you know, if he went to the, he went to Bethesda, you know, to get his physical, and they told him, "Sir, you're starting to show signs of this." He would say, "Okay, that's enough," and he would go back to Kamala Harris and say, "I cannot do this. You, you, you have to take over." Sure. I mean, ideally, but I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. Joe Biden's actually in very good health for a man who's oh, eighty-one I don't think it's years happen old. Either, but I'm just saying, if he did get that diagnosis, he would say. He would he would resign in favor oh, of the country, whereas Trump could I, show up in Times Square wrapped in a straitjacket and still insist that Sleepy Joe is mentally incompetent. I see what you're I, saying. I yeah. hear what you're saying. I, I like to think that Biden would be a, a better person than that. But then again, you know, Ronald Reagan did uh, answer a toaster like a telephone from like 1986 <laughs> to 1988. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, bombing of- <laughs> the hubris <laughs> and power of the office. Sometimes you you do what you do because 
you know, you, you, you can't imagine uh, not doing it. I do think that Biden, you know, cares about his place in history. And I do think that if he knew he was going to be incapacitated or run the risk of embarrassing himself or the family name even more, I, I think it's a safe bet that he would then uh, resign. But I don't see it happening and I don't see his health as being a problem. I think he's old. I, I watched either. his press conference tonight and I'm like, he's old. He knows what he's talking about and he takes his time when he speaks. And that makes Americans crazy. I yeah, well, I love him for it. I was that is exactly the way I'd vote. Uh, yes, you were sir. talking about concerts, going to concerts. I went to see Peter Gabriel last month. How is the new show? I hear it's really, really amazing. It's awesome. That man still kicks it for being seventy-three years old. Yeah, if you were, I've if seen you him live. Can't to see it? Go check it out. Okay, I'll check it out, man. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Have a great one. And one more thing, I want to call uh, you one back. One more thing. Have you have you talked to my son Neo? He's transgender, and he's a teenager in Texas. Oh, nice. And I, okay, well, yeah, I, I know you. I heard you talking to, uh, I think it was Ace or somebody like that in Dallas. I just mm -hmm. thought you'd appreciate the uh, context of a teenager's perspective, you know, uh, having to deal with all the bullshit the Texas you know, state government is shoving down throats. It's cat you know what? I, I, actually have, I actually have a transgender cousin in Texas, but they are only about eight years old. So we'd be thrilled to hear from your, uh, your, your teenager anytime. Uh, your, your teenager will always be welcomed here. Does, does, will, do they yeah, identify as a he or do they identify as a he, he or she? He identifies as he. Right on. Thank you. Okay. See, I asked. Yeah, that was a good I, liberal. You know, was it, well, I, was, I, you know, I just love for you. I've been telling him I want to give you a call. Was just finding a time, you know, when he, you know, he's awake. Probably we may try next week when he's up for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Nice. Well, I'd love to hear from him any time. He'd always be welcome here. Love to ask him what All his right, life is like. Yeah, have a good night. Thank you so much. Absolutely. 866-997-4748. Can we get one more call in before the break? Can we get one? Oh, hell yeah. Jeff in L.A. Thank you for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Uh, always a pleasure to get it get through. Um, Mr. Pregel saying it was great hearing uh, Bob Seska speak. Um, he he kind of stole my thunder a little bit. I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Sean O'Brien, new president of Teamsters, kicking butt. Yeah, what a guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't know, I, I kind of wonder if Bernie Sanders should have just said nothing. And then, and then, let's say there was a fight, and then Hey, you can better bet the teamsters would have sued him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm glad you know, Bernie said exactly like, what he said. I thought he was Congress. he but was the voice of adulthood in the room. You're, you're attacking working people because mm -hmm. that that that's what he's doing. I mean, that's what he's doing. But but anyhow, as I always say, I mean, I really only see the great hope for America. I see it in American labor and yes. Uh, also, John Fang, you know. Yes kicking butt, um, you know, and, and there's really been, to me, it's, it's a sellout, like, Democrat, I, I, I think we're on kind of the same page, but, like, Bill Clinton and and that kind of thing, you know, giving in, and there, that, a lot of that was going on with uh, unions for way mm -hmm. too long, and a whole new guard has come in, Sean O'Brien represents that, and I agree. I, you know, I'm not about... You know, I hate the poor violence, and this country's going that way, but if they want to bring it on, maybe that's something American people could really understand. And you hmm. want to you fight... What, a, a what do you mean by that? Well, what, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you mean by that, though? Hang on. we gotta, we got to clarify. What, do, what are we saying about violence here? I'm saying I deplore it, but, I mean, if the, if the Republicans want to instigate it against labor, then, you know, maybe that will be something that the American people could really understand because they're just so illiterate about let's, what's let's, going on politically. Yeah, but it's Mark Wayne Mullen. It's Mark Wayne Mullen. He's a punk. You know he didn't mean it. You yeah, know he didn't yeah, have the manhood to actually do it. See, I want I want to see he instigated it and I want to see him you know maybe that'd be a visual. But anyhow, <laughs> and then I also just wanted to call out, I mean, Bob Seska called it out about the line that Trump used which was directly I mean, Seska said it already, he probably knows the speech. But uh, that doesn't the line directly from Hitler. So, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe he's reading Mein Kampf and studying this stuff about the bird. <laughs> well... It's great to hear from you, Jeff. Thank you so much for calling us on Progress. If you're waiting on hold, we will get to your call shortly. We'll be right back in just a moment. This is Sirius XM 127. Delve into the shadows of the mind. 
with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight, because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. This is Sirius XM, channel 127. Welcome to Progress After Dark. Lance in New Orleans, thank you so much for waiting so patiently on hold. You're on progress. Yes, how you doing, John? How are you? I'm glad that you, your, your previous guest, I hope you still listen. Maybe you can help us here in New Orleans. Our future governor, he hasn't taken office yet, wants to pass a law telling every city and, and every town in the state of Louisiana, if you don't approve a law for them to put doctors and patients who have abortions in prison, allow them to go to prison. Mm -hmm. He's going to start the federal funds to replace all our pipes. That That's right. Let in them. It's insanity. It's madness. This guy's already got the job and now he's decided to just make himself out to be a little, like he got the job and now he's essentially threatening. I mean, kill more children to kill more people of, of all ages, you know, like he's going to withhold any kind of environmental justice and withhold funds because his personal feelings about reproductive rights. It, it's, but that's it's, because we are alive already. We're not in the womb anymore. That's why. Yeah, exactly. You know, but again, George Collins joke. But he's going to. He's my embarrassment yet. But he, but like, like Come this on. is the hypocrisy of these people. They claim to be pro-life, and they're not. He's literally going to withhold funds for New Orleans' entire decaying water infrastructure until they put people in jail for abortion. Yes, and it's already illegal here. Yeah. What are you? What are you, what are you worried about, dude? You're an idiot. And I can't believe my people elect him and they go against their own influence. Yeah. He it, wants it, to pro it, this guy wants to prosecute women who travel to get abortions, doesn't he? I mean, it's no, just no, what he hasn't heard him. He hasn't, I haven't heard him say that yet. But don't worry, it's probably coming along. Yeah. And like I said, I told you last time before, if you can help me find some people to get me, help me pay for an aircraft, a jet, I'm trying to assess my citation and get me trained in it. I will fly into any state and pick up women who need um Healthcare and flying to where they need to go for free. Good for and you. When I say jet, I mean subsidy travel and style. They can't stop me from flying them out. They say you can't drive. There's a difference. <laughs> well, I'll listen, I, if I had the funds, I would give them all to you and make you the permanent shuttle service. And, and thank you for volunteering for that. But I mean, I, I'd like to think democracy itself. I'd like to think democracy itself will be enough for this. I mean, he w literally is saying he wants to withhold clean water from citizens unless women are put in jail for something that is not illegal in your state and the Bible never actually bans. He is threatening the clean water supply for everyone. This man is a monster already. And it's going to be a very interesting term once he's sworn in. And we had another oil spill in the Gulf too this week. That's right. It's getting worse, man. God bless. I can't, I can't take it no more. 
Oh, man. I'll be praying for better representatives, but wow, it's just crazy. I, I just, I love your state so much, and you keep having these batshit crazy governors. I mean, literally. I'll bring y'all show here, man. I wish I'll bring the sexy little show. Where I'm, listen, I'm working on her. I promise I'm working on her, Lance. Thank you yeah, so much for bringing this story. Maybe she could talk about it to you tomorrow on her show. Please. All right. I'm going to work on Thank her. You. We'll be down there soon enough. Thank you, sir. 866-997-4748-866-997. Grit is our number. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Let me to quote our next guest from a new piece she has in Haaretz. While the world watched in horror at the devastating Hamas terrorist attack on Israelis on October 7th and remains horrified by the mounting civilian casualties in Gaza and the hostage crisis, white nationalists in the United States and around the world took notice as well, and they saw an opportunity. In the last month, we've seen an alarming escalation in hate violence and dangerous speech in the U.S., a wave of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Online and offline, this escalation of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, both in rhetoric and physical violence, while fueled by the crisis in the Middle East, is also the result of the sinister phenomenon of white nationalist and anti-democracy organizing in the U.S. Yes, people who hate Jews and people who hate Muslims are very often a Venn diagram of two completely overlapping circles. And haters can figure they can make a lot of progress in building their numbers by picking either side of this destructive conflict and pushing the hate. Lindsay Schubiner is Western States Center's Director of Programs, which counter the dangerous ascension of white nationalism across our country. She previously led advocacy efforts against anti-immigrant and anti-Muslim bigotry at the Center for a New Community. She has served as a congressional staffer handling housing, health, and immigration policy, and she's provided commentary for PBS NewsHour, The New York Times, and The New Yorker. It's a real pleasure to welcome Lindsay Schubiner of the Western States Center to SiriusXM. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for writing this excellent piece. I'm reading this and just standing up and cheering while also being terrified. You point out that the Internet's always been a place for extremist communities to test out (laughs) their violent rhetoric. Twitter can be everybody's focus group before they deploy it in person. But you point out the last few years have seen a real acceleration in the mainstreaming of white nationalist ideologies and the testing of white nationalist messaging and recruitment tactics. How has that reared its head in the wake of this destructive conflict between um, Israel and Hamas? Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been really disturbing what, what we've seen. And I should clarify that the, the op-ed, I believe, is scheduled to be published tomorrow. Um, so if, if anyone's looking for that, that should come out soon. Thank um, you. But we have have seen just an incredibly alarming escalation in, in hate violence and dangerous speech. And that's, you know, particularly escalated in, in recent weeks, but in in the past few years as well, we have seen um, uh, elected officials and media platforms um, really open the door to white nationalists and other anti-democracy actors to, uh, you know, to mainstream their views, to mainstream uh, bigoted conspiracy theories like Great Replacement Theory, um, which right. is a Big, you know, a big piece of what we've been seeing online tied to the the violence in the Middle East right now. Is it true that um, after the attack on October seventh, there was a five hundred percent increase 
and anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim attacks on unregulated social media platforms like yeah, Gab and Fortune. Yeah, absolutely. And that was her. That was reported by an organization called the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism, and and particularly looking at, at social platforms popular among white nationalists like Gab and and 4chan. But that's not the only organization doing monitoring that's observed, uh, you know, this incredible rise in anti-Semitism and in Islamophobia, and also anti-immigrant bigotry online um, at, that's that's tied to the crisis. Okay, so I know that at the Western State Center, and I, I love the work your organization does. You track social media and in-person protests to, to to spot the tactics and the evolving narratives of these white nationalist groups. And I know it's important to understand their strategies. As you put it, they're both a wedge designed to keep us from seeing each other's humanity and an accelerant to spread hate. It might seem strange to the average sane person to think that white nationalists are trying to appropriate pro-Palestinian movements. But that's exactly what's happening right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they haven't been particularly covert about this strategy either, right? Just a, just a few days into this crisis, white nationalist Nick Fuentes, um, you know, said on his America First show, he expressed apathy about the region as a whole, right? But said that supporting Palestinians was a strategic opportunity. Um, and he said, that if Israel's action in Gaza, quote, is going to rally international support against them, then once again, this becomes a situation where the enemy of my enemy becomes our friend. He says it out loud. He just, Nick Fuente, God bless that Nazi Jewish hating bastard. He always says the quiet part out loud. It is it is really helpful, right? When when they say what they're doing, because then we can really clearly recognize it and work to counter it right and and while there's been this uh you know just incredible increase in anti-semitism and islamophobia online right because just because they're trying to strategically exploit this you know horrific violence in in the in the region doesn't mean that they've slowed down on in terms of their anti-muslim bigotry right and we've mm-hmm. seen you know huge violence in in the world right both both anti-muslim and anti-semitic violence um but while they've you know in many ways been successful in spreading this bigotry online and using it as an accelerant when they've tried to transition that to in-person um rallies they've they've been significantly less successful so i you know i think there, there is hope um and 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 you know when they've tried to do that for example you know in in missoula montana we saw white nationalist active clubs you know showing showing up and and trying to um uh, join a pro-palestinian protest um and they also showed up outside a, a local synagogue right they were they were roundly denounced um so i you know i think it's it's really important to um you know name what they're trying to do but also um celebrate the the lines that organizers have have been drawing against right. them where that has happened i mean it, it it's so hard to wrap my brain around it i mean like i get that they they really hate muslims they really hate palestinian muslims is it just that, darn it, they hate Jews more, so they'll pretend to care about the Palestinian cause to give them an excuse to go trolling for potential new friends in the online swamp? That seems to be it, right? They don't actually care about peace whatsoever. They're just thinking, let's try the Jew hate here, let's try the Muslim hate here, and let's see if we can attract from both sides. Right. It's just, it's very strategic, uh, you know, throwing a lot of different things against the the wall to see what works. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't necessarily compare, you know, who they hate more because they, they, they hate, they hate. Of course. <laughs> so and by the way, I would never, I, I, if you're, if you're a white nationalist, I would never suggest you hate Muslims more than Jews. But I, I know you hate many groups equally. Please don't write any angry tweets and cancel me, please. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we've, we've seen it again and again, this strategy of trying to exploit what's in the news, right? They did it during the pandemic using anti-Asian bigotry and anti-Semitic yep. tropes to, you know, mainstream their message and and gain supporters. And um, it's 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 something that we see uh, again and again be, because their their efforts are to um be politically relevant yep. so that they can gain followers, gain supporters and and further mainstream their their bigotry. Um, and I think it's important, 
too, that their goal is not just mainstreaming bigotry. That is an important part of their goal, Mm -hmm. but their goal is to build political power based on bigotry and hate. And so I think it's important to, to look at how they're, um, how they're using uh, uh, the power that they that they build the, the followers that they that they gain as well. How are they using it? I mean, you're right that they certainly tried to capitalize off the pandemic, saying on the one hand that it was the kung flu or the China virus, and then at the same time pushing these tropes that I mean, RFK Jr. The pandemic was a Jewish plot. The Jews and the Chinese. Who thought they 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 hatched this on Christmas in the Chinese restaurants? I guess. I mean, it just. <laughs> Any any direction they can flail with the hate, but once they once they get it out there, how do they profit from it? How do they grow? What's their process? Yeah, well, you know, white nationalists. This these are these are groups that have an ideology with the goal of creating an, an all white nation within the United States, right? So yeah. it's it's very um, they're traditional Americans. They'll call themselves <laughs> right white people, <laughs> traditional Americans. Yeah, and and they use um, oftentimes quieter language than that, right? Sometimes um, they'll use jokes, they'll use you know um, current events as we're discussing, right, to gain supporters. But then, as you get deeper in, they'll become you know much more clear about about their their open goal. And if you think about the consequences of that, you know what would what would need to happen in order for them to create an all white nation within the United States. Um, a lot of violence, right? A lot of displacement. Um, and, uh, you know, the groups, the white nationalist groups that are, um, there, there are some that we call accelerationist, right. who seek to accelerate violence to cause chaos and cause the, the collapse of the United States in, in order to achieve their aims. We've seen, you know, a, a particularly high level of activity from, from those groups, um, Related to the the violence in the Middle East, uh, you know, cheering cheering on violence. Some of them have embraced Hamas or praised tactics um, used by the group with a with the goal of eliminating yep. Jews. Right, we've seen uh, celebratory posts um, meant to fuel both anti-Semitism and uh, Islamophobia in the United States. Mm, I believe it, and of course, at the same time, this is all going on. These people are using the plight of Palestinians to generate Jewish hate while also saying they would never, ever, ever accept any Palestinian refugees resettling in North America. It's just, can I ask, what what has um, revoltingly false Christian Charlie Kirk had to do with all of this? I know the Turning Point USA founder is mentioned in your piece. In what context has he pushed this kind of anti-Semitic tropes? Yeah, you know, I think this is this is part of what we've seen it, you know, in terms of white nationalist goals of of mainstreaming bigotry uh, on online, which has uh, which we've seen this before, that it seeps into broader anti-democracy movements. Right during the pandemic, it was those protesting public health measures. Um, you know, this is just one example of of similar effects starting to appear with overt anti-Semitism increasingly reflected in language used by more mainstream anti-democracy actors like Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk, right? He's he's flirted with anti-Semitism in the past, but uh, he has his his statements have really escalated in terms of, of over anti-Semitism. He, he recently blamed, um, quote unquote, Jewish dollars for funding, quote unquote, uh, cultural Marxist ideas. Jewish uh, you know, dollars, Jewish dollars. <laughs> For funding cultural Marxist ideas. Like they just say this stuff and their base doesn't mind. But thank God you guys are keeping tabs on all of it. Right. And it was, you know, these these remarks were noted and celebrated by by white nationalists. Um, and so it's 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 really disturbing. And I think we also have to look at, you know, the the real world impact of this, even if their, you know, in-person rally efforts have have been rejected um by by many organizers the the hate violence is real and yeah. and that's what this this bigoted rhetoric is driving right the 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 killing of of the six-year-old palestinian american boy that's in it. illinois and and that's not the the only thing right we've seen um reports of uh of an over 200 percent increase in in um Reports of Islamophobia um, from the Council on American Islamic Relations, yeah. right? Um, we've seen, um, you know, we've also seen increases in reports of 
of anti-Semitic incidents. Yes. I mean, and you pointed out uh, the Paul Kessler, Jewish man killed in Los Angeles after an altercation at a pro-Palestinian protest the week after that six-year-old Palestinian boy was murdered by his own landlord. Let me just ask you, I guess, the big question here, Ms. Schubiner, what can concerned listeners who are hearing all about this and want to push back against this kind of white supremacy, how can people learn more and what should they do? Yeah, I think um, I think it's really important to to speak out and and look at the at the impacts, right? I think um, the the calls that we've seen to reject Palestinian refugees are are deeply disturbing and really need to be pushed back against. And and the way that they're also tied to um, you know white nationalist goals of of limiting immigration overall. Mm-hmm. Um, from a deeply racist standpoint. Um, so I think we need to look at the consequences and, um, you know, for anyone with a platform to to speak out against hate violence, to reject this form of bigotry in the places that it's being mainstreamed, right? What we're seeing is um, a shift in norms. And that is something that all of us can do something about, right? We, we create those norms and so um, while it feels, uh, you know, overwhelming sometimes, I think our speech is very important, our organizing in our communities and to support um, communities directly affected by hate violence is is particularly in our in our local communities is incredibly important. Right on. Lindsay Schubiner is Western States Center's director of programs. Ms. Schubiner, how can our listeners follow you and keep up with your work and learn more? Uh, we're active on social media at Western States Center. Um on uh, Twitter or X, we're at uh, W States Center, um, and I'm at uh, uh, L Schubiner. Right on. Thank you for all you do. I love all the work Western State Center does. It's really a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much. Much for inviting me. Thank you. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Let me get to one more call before we hit our break. Steve in L.A., thank you for waiting on hold. You are on progress, sir. All right, John. Hey. Uh, want to echo probably what I just I just tuned in, so I'm sure you guys have been talking about Ginny and Roslyn. Um, yeah, a bit. Couple of couple of people that were really understood Christianity and I agree lived it. So I agree. I know you know that, and uh, yeah, my favorite president. One of mine. Um, I told you I told your screener. I, I think it was Chris tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Democrat. I'm in California. If Biden runs, I'm not voting for him. Just out of, uh, I'm as time goes on, I'm getting more and more angry that he that he's not uh, stepping down or going for a a uh, primary. Uh, reason being, I think Trump is doubling and tripling down on a hyper fascistic type of a strongman right. deal, and I, I don't think Biden is equipped okay. to handle it. Okay, Biden is the only person who Biden's the only person who's beaten him. You know, he's the only person who's beaten Trump. Let me ask you, who is the Democrat you think can get 270 electoral votes and have more success with a Republican Congress than Joe Biden? Oh, I think Pritzker or uh, Newsom easily or anybody. Somebody's going to have to show strength. God bless Biden. I think he's done a great job. But the the side by side Trump versus Biden, it's going to be a strong man. Versus somebody who's on his heels and he's not going to be able to articulate in a strong way to put a strong argument against all this fascistic stuff that he's doing. Did he not last? Did he not? Did he not do that three years ago? I mean, uh, he beat him by yeah, millions of votes. Ago. He beat him by oh, millions of yeah, votes. But, no, I understand that. But I mean, it's going to be six purple states and it's going to be a coin flip and we can't afford it. I mean, mm. it's just... I mean, you I, seem I'm, to be very, very confident that J.B. Pritzker could get a 270 electoral votes and somehow get this much legislation passed by a 50-50 Congress. Well, I'm, I'm not worried about the legislation space. I'm, I'm worried about a fascistic. Right now, you can you can say it. You just have to call it for what it is. It's, oh, I know. It's fa- oh, it's. I completely agree. And but I think next year, I don't not, think I don't think yeah. Joe Biden's on the ballot next year. I think next year on the ballot is Trump and not Trump. I, I don't think I don't think anyone's voting for or against Joe Biden. They are voting for or against Trump. Referendum on Trump. I, I agree. And, but Biden's going to be a, a year older. Yeah. He's going to be five years older than he was when he when he ran in 2020. And he'll be three years older than um, Trump. Only three. I, 
Hey, you're talking to a guy who hates Trump. I know, man. I know. I just, I, I just, I, I get it, and I understand I'm your sure. arguments. I just, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing a path. I mean, maybe Gavin Newsom could do it, but he's not running. So this is what we got. We're going to go with Great. Joe Biden next did year. You, did, you, did you see? Did you see Newsom when when Hannity tried to shut him down, and he just completely ran over? Yeah, listen, Newsom's Hannity. probably Newsom looks like the nominee in 2028, but he's not running next year. Right, we got to wait till 2028, man. I mean, uh, hold on to your ass. That's all I can say. Well, listen, if you're if you're voting California, it's fine with me if you don't vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, but if you're, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write in John Fugel saying, okay, I, you can I, do I, that. I like your there, gig, there's there's yeah. the, that's that's probably the most patriotic way to throw away your vote is voting for me. But you know what? If you were if you were talking to me from Arizona or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, I might bend over backwards. But again, Donald Trump will be a convicted felon by this time next year. And let me just say, these trials are not going to make him more popular. I I, I mean, there's still a chance Nikki Haley could be the nominee too. I don't think it's a question of that. I think it's who's going to drive their base out. Yeah. He's riling these people up with this fascistic, let's face it, Nazi type of a rhetoric. Oh, I know. That, that was last week. It was pure. It's gone beyond fascism. It's yeah. the, the well, Nazi level. Well, we'll fascism. see, Steve. I, I'm, I completely agree with you on that. And, you know, they're all cheering Putin, who's really doing the Nazi thing in real time. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think a we year from now, a lot of people... Please. I predict a year from now, a lot of people who are not crazy about Biden will be very enthusiastic about voting against Trump. Let's see how it plays out, man. We just need somebody who's got strong rhetoric against that guy. Right on. I hope you have a... can do it, more power to him. Right on. Hope you have a great evening, sir. Thank you so much. This is Progress. Progress.